You're listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine, produced in cooperation with AMDA. Your host is Dr. Eric Tangelos, Professor of Medicine at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and a Certified Medical Director in Long-Term Care. Systemic conditions that are common among many older patients, such as diabetes, often have oral manifestations. How can we promote and preserve the oral health of vulnerable patients? Joining us to discuss medical considerations in the oral health of long-term care patients is Dr. Douglas Berkey, professor at the University of Colorado Schools of Dental Medicine and Public Health, where he also serves as co-director of the Center on Aging. Dr. Berkey, welcome to our program. Thank you. You're going to be speaking at an upcoming American Dental Association conference on the topic of oral health in older Americans. That's where we pick this up. What oral health issues are most common among the elderly, and how do these affect long-term care patients as well? And then when we get that done, we're going to ask you some more questions about the challenges of the institutionalized older adults. Well, there are a whole host of oral problems and diseases that can impact older adults, and in fact, they are much higher risk of developing many of these diseases. Right out of the blocks, one of the first things that is a very significant problem affecting older adults is dental caries. It is something that affects probably about a third of all people over the age of 65 have untreated dental caries, and those that are 75 and over, over half have a dental carious lesion on the root surface of their tooth. You know, this is due partly to the fact that they have less saliva in the mouth, that they have decreased abilities to accomplish good oral hygiene due to vision changes, cognitive changes, arthritic changes, which are all, I think, significant risk factors. Another substantial problem, and it's sort of tied in with the dental caries that our old adults face, are those individuals older than 65 that are experiencing severe gum disease. And I'd say probably about a quarter of all individuals over the age of 65 could be classified as having moderate to severe gum disease. That, again, is related to inabilities to maintain good oral hygiene and the removal of the dental plaque and the biofilms from the teeth. The third big issue uh, that I'd like to sort of quickly emphasize is oral cancer. It's primarily diagnosed in the elderly. We have about 30,000 new cases of oral and pharyngeal cancers each year. About 8,000 of these individuals die from this cancer. The particular challenge as it relates to oral cancer is the early cancers are usually without symptom. Uh, they don't hurt, and so by the time we typically find them, they're in a more advanced stage, and their five-year prognosis is uh, only about 50%. So those are three main areas that are oral health problems that uh, impact the elderly. Uh, they're related problems related to chewing and nutrition and whatnot that we could talk about as well. We're going to keep after this, that's for sure. You know, in the nursing home, we have a certain segment on the MDS-3O that actually asks about oral health. And for those of us who have been at it a really long time, I, I must say that changes in the mouth are generational. It's actually not as bad as it was, and I'm dating myself, 25 to 30 years ago. It is better, but it still has a long way to go from what you see walking around in the community. That's true. I think that uh, sort of the good news, bad news in regards to generational uh, advances in oral health, we uh, would expect to see maybe 20, 30 years ago, 
I'd say maybe 30 years ago, a majority of older adults without actually any natural teeth, they were edentulous. They have now, through the advances uh, in regards to the advances utilizing uh, fluoridation, water fluoridation, and topical fluoridation agents, better dental technologies, and better access to dental services, uh, we have a much smaller number of, of these individuals in long-term settings and elsewhere that are completely without teeth. So they present with uh, what we call a partially dentate mouth. They have a number of teeth, but not uh, a full complement of them. And these teeth, because they're in the mouth, then become uh, at risk for the development of additional problems and concerns. I remember um, all the fights we used to have trying to get patients to buy new dentures. And they say, you know, I've had them for 30 years. I'm at the end of my life. But folks, that mouth is not the same as it was 30 years ago. And I'm sure we still have a lot of those fitting problems, even with today's patients. We do. One of the things that takes place when you take teeth out, there's a level of bone that uh, resides on top of the mandible and the maxilla, and this is called alveolar bone. And as teeth are extracted, this alveolar bone resorbs to the extent that it it diminishes the size of the ridge, which uh, is essential for the stable and retentive fitting of the denture. What we see over time is shrinkage of the ridge, sometimes with concurrent flabbiness of the soft tissue as well. So the smaller ridges, especially in the mandible, where sometimes it's five times more resorbed than the maxilla, can cause all sorts of problems with the fitting of dentures such that they you know, can be used in an efficient manner. Well, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine from ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Tangelos, and joining me to discuss medical considerations in the oral health of long-term care patients is Dr. Douglas Berkey, professor at the University of Colorado Schools of Dental Medicine and Public Health, where he also serves as co-director of the Center on Aging. We're talking now about oral health in our long-term care patients, and I think any provider would say that it still isn't good enough. What more can we do? It's a difficult challenge within long-term care settings because, again, these folks are individuals generally who have a decreased ability to on their own, provide adequate oral hygiene and to ask either family members or staff members to provide those kinds of adequate interventions for oral hygiene uh, can be challenging. Having said that, that is probably the single most important thing that can be done. One particular opportunity to enhance oral health would be to not only work with the participant or the nursing home resident who uh, has maybe some loss of function but can actually perform some of these functions and then to supplement those in a way that these two surfaces and soft tissue surfaces can be cleaned. Other opportunities to enhance the oral health and long-term care would involve such things as using some preventive agents, using toothpaste that have fluoride in them. Sometimes it uh, is helpful to use fluoride varnishes and other kinds of preventive agents. The use of such things as chlorhexidine rinses have also shown to be helpful in some of the gingivitis and gum disease problems, but it is not really advised to be used on a long-term basis, and so that's probably not sort of a typical strategy for most participants. All right, so I'm the primary care provider, maybe even the medical director, and so I can order up fluoridated toothpaste to be used in my facility, but I can't get into the mouth. 
when you're in the mouth and you're looking around, you probably are grousing under your breath saying, I wish this primary care provider had done this, that, or the other thing, or I wish this family had done this, or I wish this patient had avoided that. All right, so what is under my control and what can we do to help with oral health? I think the first thing that would be helpful is to reassert and reaffirm that oral health is an important to the overall well-being of the individual and that it can play a very important role not only in the quality of life but in the potential morbidity and on occasion mortality of the patient. So right out of the blocks I would say leadership from the physician emphasizing and reasserting the importance of oral health. Having said that, seeking out opportunities for training for those that are involved with evaluating these individuals, whether they be nurses or nurses' aides or others, such that they can recognize and screen for some of the substantial problems that may be involved with these individuals. Looking for the presence of swelling in the mouth, which may signal such things as an intraoral abscess, looking for bleeding gums, which again is suggestive of a periodontal disease, which may lead to other problems. These are, I think, important efforts that the physician can lead and can work collaboratively with the, your dental health professional maybe to provide uh, information about. You're in a very unique position involved with dentistry and the Center on Aging. I'm not sure that there's any other co-director with your particular qualifications. So the interdisciplinary activities that must go on at the University of Colorado must be quite outstanding in this regard. Talk to us now about some of the other members in the interdisciplinary and multidisciplinary team that can make oral health better. We work collaboratively with a number of healthcare disciplines. As I'm thinking about just cases that I've been involved with recently, we have had a participant who was uh, suffering from Sjogren's syndrome. And so we worked with physicians and the ENT in regards to trying to provide some type of symptomatic relief for this individual. Another individual recently was experiencing some very significant uh, TMJ issues that were essentially not due to dental problems, but due to uh, problems within the muscular system. And so we worked closely with physical therapy uh, in regards to providing another modality of treatment in addition to the bite guard that, that we made for this individual. I'm thinking about another participant where we worked with both the physician and the oral surgeon who are allied with the center in, in regards to the careful management of somebody who's been on bisphosphonates and trying to avoid the consequences of osteonecrosis. Those are sort of examples of the, the interactions. We'll work with social workers sometimes as it relates to trying to identify whether or not somebody can actually provide an adequate informed consent. If not, uh, understanding who would have the medical power of attorney and, and providing information and also other interesting information about family dynamics as it relates to dental problems uh, for the older adult. My older patients that have bad teeth, and they are pretty much limited to those in the nursing home, really have miserable lives. They lose weight. They don't feel good. They oftentimes have a low-grade toxicity just by the chronic inflammation that's going on. Speak to me further about what we can do for the overall well-being of this population. Nutritional issues are very substantial issues as it relates to those in long-term care and, and elsewhere. 
you know, healthy nutrition is really vital, I think, to promote energy and a, and a successful aging process. And if you're unable to, I think, chew effectively and consume foods that are healthy, then you're really at risk for nutrient deficiencies. One of the things that I think is very interesting to note is that nutritional deficiencies actually may be first seen in the mouth, partly because of the fact that there's such a quick turnover time on the soft tissue linings of the mouth, which uh, average between three and seven days. So you can see evidence of that on the tongue, especially where it may be atrophic. They may have some ulcerations that take place. We've found through a number of interventional studies and population studies that individuals in long-term care settings and and elsewhere are more at risk for poor nutritional outcomes if they have less than 21 teeth. As you look and consider the dentition status of of the individuals within long-term care, you know, if they have all four or five, 10, even 15 teeth, you may expect to actually see that they're going to have problems with uh, the consumption of such things as protein and calcium and vitamin C and other things like that. Well, all of the surveyors that are listening into our program are now going to go into the mouth and count for 21 teeth. And I guess that's okay. It's a very interesting finding. Do you have any last words for our listeners? Take home, take back to the facility, take to the patient. I guess the take-home message, number one, again, is that uh, a healthy mouth equals a healthy body. You know, the mouth is truly a window into the health of the body, and that it's essential that it be considered an important part of helping to maintain and improve the oral and general health status of older adults, especially within long-term care settings. Anything that we can do, I think, to promote better health, uh, reduce the burden of oral disease within the mouth is, I think, uh, a very appropriate thing to consider. The impact of dental caries, periodontal disease, uh, and just quickly to reference the fact that periodontal disease has been shown to be associated with a number of systemic disease processes like diabetes, and there's association shown with coronary artery disease and other things like that. And so, so we need to understand that good dental prevention may ultimately lead to a more complete uh, and, and healthy presentation of the body. I would like to thank my guest, Dr. Douglas Berkey. Dr. Berkey, thank you very much for being our guest this week on Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine. Thank you very much. I appreciate your interest and questions. You have been listening to Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine from ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Advances in Long-Term Care Medicine is produced in cooperation with AMDA. For more information about this or any other show, please visit ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts.